All right, we got a good one today. We're going to talk multifamily versus storage because you guys know I like both and I like the boring pieces of, I think, class B multifamily. And, and you know, now I've been moving a little bit into the area of storage and I kind of want to give you, I want to give you the pros and cons, a little bit of both, why I'm pivoting maybe a little bit at the end of this. So um, and kind of what my thought is for the future on this as well. I, I just want to give you my take and, and yeah, I'll, I'll give you my opinion at the end. But first I'm going to go over, I think I'm going to talk about maybe the pros of like self-storage first and, you know, kind of that type. Uh, just what, what that asset class looks like compared to multifamily because we, yeah, we all know everyone needs a place to live and that's largely why the multifamily game has already always took off. But um, you know, there's, uh, there's something to say with storage. So I'm going to give you some pros on storage and, um, you know, just what made it through the last recessions, right? Like what, what is going to, what is going to weather the storm of like what's happening right now? Because we know the debt market's going crazy. Does sell storage make sense? Has what, why would you want to get in this asset class? And I've been actually talking to many different people and there's a lot of people that like storage right now, and they should for many reasons. Um, but what's the biggest reason? I think it, it's largely though it is a it is recession proof. Like um, it's profitable, you know, not only in the good times, but it's profitable in the bad times because people downsize and they need to store things. And um, you know, it, it, the best performing asset class in the last recession was self storage. And, and even better than multifamily a lot, you know, uh, what I've heard was even a lot better than multifamily and, um, you know, in past recessions, uh, self-storage, basically revenues were basically not negatively impacted. Um, but there's different ways that, you know, people make it through these recessions and it's, it's a debt heavy type asset. So, um, meaning that you have to borrow quite a bit of money and you have to have a lot of equity into these deals. Um, but it also is a great performing asset to park a lot of cash. And remember, uh, I was talking a little bit about storing cash for saving cash and, you know, what makes the most sense for you. So storing it would be like in an asset, uh, saving it would be like sitting in a bank account and, uh, earning 5% and, you know, no one got rich ever doing that, just so you know that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a continued basically rise as housing gets tighter and tighter. You know, you have these HOAs and you have townhomes and you have, you know, basically just housing in general is getting tighter because you want more bang for the buck. They want more house on a smaller lot. That's, that's the only way they can do it, right? That's really the house can't get any cheaper nowadays. Like, I mean, you can see some pretty cheap entry-level housing. The only thing they can do is make it more dense, but you do get a backyard and you do get some things. But this has created a huge, huge thing for self-storage. As housing gets more unaffordable, self-storage continually is to rise in demand. And I think housing in the future is going to stay unaffordable for quite some time because we just weren't able to build enough in the last decade. And now it's, now it's just a painful problem. People are paying cash for these homes. People are having two or three homes, the, the boomers who have all the wealth. And then you got the person who just left college that can't afford a house. So they're just going to rent anyway, and probably rent a storage unit. Um, and so 
just a lot going on. But high unemployment rates, you know, it it it's good for storage. So what is the Fed? What are they doing at the end of the day? They're trying their last KPI that they're trying to rise over all others is trying to raise unemployment. They're literally trying to do this. They're trying to slow down jobs. As soon as they can slow down jobs, they know that they have a track on inflation then. Um, and we won't have any wage, you know, spiral out of control and, and inflation will be in check again. So, but when unemployment happens, guess what's the asset class where they pivot to? They're going to rent a storage unit. I guarantee it. So, um, but that's uh, even when times are good, you know, you flip the script when things are good and people are buying things and they don't have enough room and their HOA is strict. They can't pull in the drive. They can't even park in the driveway. They can't. Um, can't store a boat beside their home. Like you can't do any of it. You can't park the RV in here. No, it's got to go somewhere else. So it's creating this frenzy of storage. Um, and you know, I think I think storage is very much getting automated too. So that's the next one. Automation is like the next thing. Like people don't. <laughs> COVID created a place where people they don't want to talk to people anymore. I just want to do everything online. I'd rather order at McDonald's and not talk to anyone than uh, have to order from somebody. And what does this do? Well, this is causing businesses to automate everything. Um, and storage is following suit. You don't have to talk to anyone. You just, you go on the website, you enter your credit card info and, and boom, you're in. You don't have to talk to anyone. And maybe there's a chat feature. Um, most websites will have a chat feature. Hey, got a question, can't get into my unit, whatever the question might be. Their code doesn't work for their gate. Um, I don't know the code to get into the unit. There's just zero touch though. They don't have to talk to anyone. People love that. Um, there's old school people where they need to call somebody and there's call centers for those. But again, automation and you just, it's not taking as much management when you don't have to charge uh, five to 10% management for your storage units. And you can get down to one to 3% because you just have to turn units. It's just end of the month. It's more of like an asset management and less of a full management where a person needs to sit in the office and you need to pay the payroll. So um, so anyway, the automation is huge in self-storage right now. Um, and I think multifamily is just more challenging. And so, and also when it comes to evict people. So if you own class C properties, I own some of those and you know what? Their evictions happen because who's the fir- who's the most likely to lose their job? Well, it's probably the lowest tiered people. Um, not always. I mean, there's high tiered people losing their jobs as well. But you know, you might have to evict them. They might not be able to make the payment anymore. Um, they might not be able to find that new jobs because hiring is slowing down. Um, uh, I know some of the data doesn't show that, but I never know if the data is true or not because it's been. They just kind of take the data they want to see at whatever time they want to do with the <laughs> whatever they want to do with the markets. But besides the point, the the, evic- the eviction process though is so much more simple in the self storage game. You lock them out, they pay the rent, or you sell their stuff, right? Like <laughs> uh, we've all seen storage wars. We know what that process is like. There's third party companies that actually do this, um, and it just it's instead of a six month process, it much more can be less than 30 days that you get this whole process done so you can rent the storage unit out again. Um, so um, that's another easier point. And then the value add, um, you know, you, you, can, you can figure out parking spots. You could figure out, it's just simpler, right? Like, like 
adding laundry units to a multifamily unit is very complex. Like, can I get the water there? Can I get, can I get that much power out of the building to get in service laundry, right? Like there's things to think about. Um, and oftentimes there's, you know, there's just a lot more to, to think about when you're managing a lot more people. Well, when you're doing, you know, when you're doing value add in a storage deal, it's literally, how do I get the most amount of square footage that I can rent out for the highest amount. Um, and, uh, you know, so the value add component is just much more simple. I think whether it's parking or whether it's storage or whether it's stack storage, um, um, I just love the way that you can automate these processes and add value by decreasing the expenses and overall making more yield on your money in a really boring asset class like storage. Um, um, things not to like storage though. So, um, you really have to, now we mentioned management is lighter, right? Like you can automate almost everything. Um, but you almost have to like, you can't afford to pay 7% for a management team or 8%. You really have to do this yourself. And I'm finding this out now. Like I'm trying to create a brand, um, in storage just because I don't, I don't, I did a year and a half of management in multifamily and just could not scale and get it built fast enough. I didn't have enough units in a short enough amount of time, but you really can't afford, I could afford it in multifamily because there's a little more there. Like you almost plan for five to 10% management in each, in each project where your expense ratios are a little higher, but in storage, you really, you have the chance to minimize it but you almost have to manage it yourself, that means. So you are dealing with the backend problems, which makes you innovate, you know. I think me doing a year and a half of management will make me a much better storage provider because it is much easier type of management than it is a multifamily. You're just dealing with different tenants. They're not living there every day. They're just storing their stuff there. And at the end of the day, they want the snow removal and the lights to work. And, uh, you know, in our luxury storage units, um, that's the type of product that we're putting out right now. And, you know, we're mixing in some self-storage and, and maximizing lots as well. But, um, you know, plan to do some management yourself. So it's just the way it's going to be. And it will minimize your expenses and, you know, give you a better picture. So um, time and effort, you know, is in the multifamily. Um, it, it's a matter of like, which asset class do you want to focus on? Um, because there are two different asset classes and they're ran two completely different ways. If I like for myself, I'm doing multifamily and I'm doing storage now. I'm developing storage. I'm not focused on multifamily development. Um, and so what that has caused me to focus all in on storage. Like I'm educating myself. Uh, I'm, you know, every day in storage and just trying to innovate a very boring asset class. Um, we're multifamily. There's a lot of moving parts when you're developing, uh, multifamily, it takes a lot of capital to build 150 units, um, in a market that's very challenging right now, right? Like you, <laughs> you cap, things are not making sense on paper. So what does that cause you to do? It causes you to leverage less because you need to get a certain return, um, now that's very safe, but it also puts a lot of pressure if you got to build that kind of machine to build multifamily units. So I've pivoted to just developing storage units. 
uh, whether it's across the country. Uh, right now, I'm focusing on the Midwest and and may uh, diversify a little bit into the Sun Belt market next year. But multifamily, it's like I do that locally. I have a property manager in place now. We don't do any management other than our own commercial and storage products. And it just learned it takes, you know, I think I was talking to my property manager just last week and he's like, it really takes 1,500 to 2,000 units to be efficient as a property manager. Like if you have that many, you can now run an office. 1,500 to 2,000 units. That's a lot of units, right? Like I was managing like, couple hundred and it, it just wasn't enough. There's not enough income there to produce the right team. And then if you got turnover, uh, creates, creates all other sorts of other problems. So you, you absolutely need to plan. I, I had one tenth and I could barely float it. We were charging the most amount of management fees and it just wasn't efficient. And, uh, we were running the properties very well, I thought, and, and, and we did a good job with it. It just was consuming all our time. And so my time and efforts were better spent elsewhere. I went with a bigger management company. They knew a little more. They charged less fees than we had to. Um, and now I just get to do quarterly meetings, uh, you know, monthly meetings with them that um, quarterly in-depth meetings. And I do monthly, uh, monthly meetings with them and just try to figure out how to get the assets to perform as efficiently as possible. So very much an asset management is I feel what I'm doing with storage. Um, but I do that for my multifamily portfolio. Um, and so, you know, what is, you know, talking a little more about multifamily. Yeah. Everyone needs a place to live. Um, we all know that, but it is challenging. Like I, I have, uh, um, a guy, a developer I talked to out of Florida or near the Orlando area. You know, he told me it's like for him, he's a developer, but he really doesn't invest heavily in each project. He has to make sure you pay these investors a 10 pref um, before, you know, from the initial onset of the project. And some of these multifamily projects can take five years. So you could be, you could be two years of buying the lot, entitlements, drafting plans, um, and you maybe not even get the permit. Maybe it just doesn't work. The entitlements never got there, and and you you know you probably were in two three million bucks to produce a three hundred unit multifamily, um, and then it takes you you know say you get to the permit like you made it. Now your project's real. Now you need to pay these investors. Start putting in capital, and they're on the clock, right? Like they're getting their ten prefs. Um, and sometimes even north of that is what they're requesting because capital is so hard to come by or you just need so much capital to do a multifamily. But then like you get the permit. Now you got two years of probably developing and stabilizing this asset, right? You might get 18 months of construction in COVID. You know, you hear your projects taking three years, like years longer than they should have because you couldn't get the certain product. You couldn't get furnaces. You couldn't get fridges, appliances, whatever. You couldn't get stuff. Um, so then you're in four years and then, you know, you're potentially in a fifth. If you can't build it fast enough, you're still stabilizing by year five. Um, and then, Hey, you might have to sell it or, you know, that might be the plan that you have to sell it. And all this regulation on building and multifamily is getting hit the hardest, right? Like <laughs> what they make us contractors do from what they made us do 10 years ago is completely 
drastically different. I started my company in 2010, just getting permits and getting, um, you know, just what you need. You can't go in with a napkin anymore and get things done. Even in North Dakota, you can't. Um, and I know, you know, down in Florida, they they got strict, obviously hurricane and, and, and different, different things down there. But man, you really, there's a lot of more regulation happening within our industry of construction, slowing everything down. So what does this do? This, this continually just keeps building up pent demand. And because people need places to live, yep, multifamily has that, but it's getting harder and harder for the contractors and the developers to get these through in a timely fashion. And as they continually, since basically 2010, after the last recession, They've just gotten stricter and stricter and stricter. And then, you know, the regulation causes our prices to go up because they're slowing us down. Now we can't just produce things. We can't make profitable, you know, we can't be as profitable because the codes and the regulations and they adopt new rules. And uh, you got SWPPP, which is like a, you know, EPA rule for making sure that you have um the correct regulations for, you know, stormwater and, you know, causing, <laughs> you never seen ponds before, you know, years back, usually it's just a community pond or sometimes they didn't even have them. But now, now you got to have all these pond requirements and make sure you protect your uh, site from, you know, dirt going down the storm sewers and, and all these different things. So there, there's just all these new layers coming about and they're getting more strict on it. Like towns literally have people just checking on that. So now you have to have a guy in place just making sure your sites comply. Um, well, now you're making, now you're having insurance companies make sure that you have fences all the way around if you're developing anything. And sometimes you even have to have cameras on site. This can get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to every single project. I mean, there's new things coming around for uh, safety all the time, slowing you down. Um, and so a uh, little bit of rant on construction, but it does affect multifamily pretty drastically because multifamily, you're going to have usually vertical construction and wood frame vertical construction is very expensive to insure right now with builder's risk uh, because everything that's happened in the insurance, in the insurance world itself. So um, another reason that I just decided that, you know what, I will buy multifamily, I will buy value add multifamily, but this is why I'm pivoting to self-storage and it could be vertical, it could be two, three or story self-storage facility. Um, as well, where you're going to run into the same issues, but very simple product type, right? Like you, you're taking, you don't have to go source fridges. You don't have to go source all these things. Like we're talking, your subcontractor list goes from 30 in a multifamily deal down to five in a self-storage deal. Um, not only that, but you can turn them faster. You can, you know, the management is much easier, um, from an operational standpoint and development standpoint, it's a no brainer. Um, I'm not saying multifamily is bad by any means. It's just more regulated, getting harder for developers to just continually build multifamily, um, where self-storage is just a little easier to scale. Um, and you know, as I continue my development career in self-storage, um, you know, I'm not saying I would ever shy away from multifamily. I think it's a great product type still. Um, but I think in 10 years, self-storage will be a bigger asset class with a higher yield of return. So that's why I've pivoted, pivoted my focus towards self-storage. Um, so guys, that is my take on what's going on. Hopefully you guys are uh, learning something through this, but it's always a controversial topic, whether you should be in storage or multifamily. Um, make sure you're subscribed to my email. 
I talk about things like this all the time within my email. Um, it's This is always a hot topic that I get talked about all the time. And I think you should have both in your portfolio. Um, but make sure you're, if you're interested in investing and you're interested in real estate investing, maybe you're just starting and you need, you know, education on that. Make sure you're subscribed to my email. Um, you can find that on my LinkedIn. Um, we can probably link it below here as well. So you guys can find that, but it's on Substack. put it out every Saturday morning and it tries to just help entrepreneurs and help real estate investors understand, uh, multifamily and, uh, understand business as they continue on. So appreciate you guys. See you in the next one.